0: Psalm 145, that's where we want to be today. It's the last psalm out of these 150 that are associated with David. And interesting enough, out of the 150 psalms that we have, Psalm 145 is the only psalm, the only song, so to speak, that is attributed as or labeled A psalm of praise. It's the only time that it shows up in the 150 chapters. I don't know what your reading habits are and practices are with Scripture. Uh, Years ago, I learned the habit of reading five psalms a day. One proverb a day. That gets me through psalms and proverbs each month. About three years ago, I picked up the habit of reading Psalm 119 every day. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in Scripture, 176 verses. Only three verses out of those 176 don't have a direct reference to the Word of God. You go back and look at that chapter, and every time it shows up, the statutes or the commands or the principles or the testimonies, that's all referencing the Word of God. I can't encourage you enough this morning to get these songs into your heart and your mind, to let the Psalms, my word, percolate with you. There's great songs of lament. There's great songs of praise. There are great songs of, of despair. There's great songs of hope and help. Today, when we look at Psalm 145, you find that this one, these 21 verses are characterized by praise everything focuses back on who god is to his characteristics and to his attributes and i think i think the reality is if if i could pick one psalm to try to teach us as to how we should praise and how we should worship i'd take us to this one i would go to this single passage as you see, this is divided into seven sections. Each section deals specifically with a character, characteristic or an attribute of the way God works. In these, in these sections, you'll see that, that God is described as a king, as a creator, as provider, protector, shepherd, and then you'll see him also as judge. But if there's one overarching theme of Psalm 145. It's that he's king. He's king. And you've heard me say it before, and you've heard other preachers say it before, he's not just king. He's the king. And he's king of kings, and he's Lord of lords. And there's no one one else who's worthy of being in that first position and worthy to be praised. And while... Maybe you're like me. I catch myself worshiping lesser gods more often than I wish I did. A reminder out of Psalm 145 will take me back as to who deserves the worship, who deserves the praise, who reigns eternal, who is my supplier, my provider, my help, and my hope, the one who is my savior, who is my Lord, who is my shepherd, and who is my king. It's a great passage of scripture. I've been looking forward to this all week long to get to take this passage and divide it out with you today as we take a look at it. You're going to notice a couple things before we start into each of these sections. You're going to see in verse one, he says, I extol you or I exalt you, my God, the king circle that word king. I want you to go down to verse five and it talks that I will speak of your splendor and your glorious majesty, circle the word majesty. And this is all referencing even back to what we studied last week out of Isaiah chapter six. When you jump down into verses 10 and 12, you'll find that God, the glory of God and his kingdom is spoken by many people. We have many people in the room today. I wonder how often we speak of the glory of God, that we just sit and relish it, that we sit and allow allow it to just wash over us. In verse 13, you're going to see that God's kingdom is great and that it lasts forever. I think that's amazing. Not only that we have a great king, but he has a great kingdom and that kingdom will have no end. It will last for an eternity. But here's what I find so interesting is Psalm 145. It not only calls us to worship a king, it not only describes a king, but it calls for personal worship. It calls for the reality of who God is to have a response from his people. I may have said this in the past. I don't remember. I don't remember a lot of things these days. But every king has a kingdom. And every kingdom has citizens. You and I are citizens in the kingdom of God. And citizens have responsibilities, citizens have duties that they need to fulfill. So if we have a king, and he's our king, and we live within his kingdom, and we are citizens of his kingdom, then our response to him today is to worship him. But here's the reality your praise and my praise is never meant to be performed in a vacuum. It's never meant to be private. It's never meant to, to only be personal. Because here's what I believe with all of my heart that if we are praising the Lord God Almighty as intended, it will move beyond the vertical. If you and I worship Him as God has intended us to worship Him, it will move us beyond only our vertical worship and it will take us into a horizontal proclamation. It will take us into a response. You caught that last week as we studied Isaiah 6 and we called that the beginning of worship. When He saw the, the, the train of the Lord filled the temple, The seraphim crying, holy, holy, holy. And he fell down and worshiped him. Do you remember the response out of verse 8? Here am I, Lord. Send me, use me. Here am I, Lord. I will take the truth of what I just saw and make it known to the nations. And when you and I praise God for who he is and for what he has done in our life, you and I will have the opportunity to invite other people around us to worship him and to love him like we do. You ever wonder why we come in here and we ask you all to sing along? I mean, the, the, the musicians and, and singers on this stage are more than competent to do this all on their own. I can't wait to get to heaven because I want to learn to play guitar like you, Michael. I would love to sing like these vocalists up here today. And I'm getting a drum kit. I want to be smooth like Randy on a bass guitar, just for eternity. Can you imagine? Don't have to just, I, I can't wait for that day. But you don't want me up here right now. Don't put this voice behind a microphone. Not to sing anyway. But they stand here and they lead us in worship because praise is never meant to just be in solidarity. It's meant to be corporate. And we join our voices together. We celebrate our king. We unite our hearts as citizens and we go, let's worship the Lord together. And when you have vertical praise, it will have a horizontal influence. Write that down somewhere. That was pretty good, actually. <laughs> when you get vertical praise, it will have a horizontal influence. How many of you would agree with me today that God is a great king? Amen. Pitiful. Pitiful. I'm going to give you another round at this, okay? How many of you would agree with me today that God is a great king? That's better. And that He's greatly to be praised. And He's most often greatly praised when we share His love with others. So let's dive into this today. I want to try to, to move quickly. You got a lot of fill in the blanks, and I understand that. If I miss any, just don't twitch. I'll get it to you at the end of the service, okay? But if you've got your handout, you'll be able to follow along on the slide with me. You'll notice that we have seven sections. And each section starts with because God. And I want you to circle the word because. Because. The word because is the certainty of who God is. Because God is this. Because God is king. Because he is greatly to be praised. Because of the character and the attributes that we're about to talk about. Because. Not if. Did you catch that? It's not if. It's certainty. It's because. And because of this, we're going to give you a passage of scripture to which we will identify his character and his attribute. But you'll notice below that passage of Scripture, it says, I will. And I want you to circle those two words, I will. There is a because of the certainty of God, which should promote, and I will, a discipline in us. If there is a certainty of God, there should be a discipline in you and I. So as we move through this today, and we look at the because of what God is and, and who He is, I want us to have a point of application to each one as we walk our way through. So let's begin. I read with you verses 1 and 2. It says, I exalt you, my God, the King, and I bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day, and I will praise your name forever and ever. So what you see in these first two verses is because of God's position, and His position is that He's King, Because of his kingship, because of his rule and of his reign, because he's my God and my king, notice the response. I will bless your name forever and ever. I will bless your name not only forever and ever, but look at how he draws it in. I'll bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. And here is David King David, who understands that he's the lesser king, that he worships and serves the the greater king. King David is adoring Almighty God. King David is recognizing that his king is above all. And he says, I will exalt. That little word exalt or extol, maybe in some of your translations, simply means to set high above all others. It means that that has the greatest possible admiration. I exalt you. Above any other. Why would he be exalted? Because he's the king. But notice the time frame of it. How long will David exalt God as king? It says forever and ever. It means that his praise would have no end. Why would our praise to God have no end? Anybody? Because God has no end. Because God has no end. And if he never ceases, then our praise should never cease. I find it interesting that praise is the only activity that we get to do here and in heaven. Here we get to pray, we get to believe, we get to hope. But one day, we'll get to praise forever, without end. And I find it interesting here, and I have to be reminded of this. He says at the beginning of verse two, I will praise you every day. Every day. Circle those two words. Does anybody remember the, and I won't get the title right, someone will correct me, I'm sure, but there's a story, children's storybook, called A Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Rotten, Very Bad, day. Why in the world do we read that to kids, right? Let me tell you a story about a terrible, horrible, rotten, very bad no good day. Does anybody ever have bad days? Right? Anybody ever feel like the weight of the world has just landed on top of you? You go to Psalm 42 and you understand David where he goes, why am I so downcast, oh my soul? And he turns that around in verse 5. He says, why am I so downcast yet? I will put my hope in God. I promise you that simply praising God is not going to make all rain clouds go away. It's not going to make your day sunny and bright all the time. It's not going to cause problems and difficulties to disappear. Because a matter of fact, Scripture tells us in this world, you will have troubles and trials. But praising God every day helps you shift the focus from here to the only one that matters. So that's simply the practice. Because of God's position as king, I will praise him daily. Because there's never a day that he's not the king. Therefore, there's never a day that I should not praise him. Jump down with me. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6. It says, The Lord is great and he's highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and your glorious majesty, of your wondrous works. And they will proclaim the power of your all inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. Catch this because of God's power, because of God's power, I will proclaim his majesty. Do you realize that there's no part in your life, there's no part in this world where God's power is not worthy of praise? Just think about it for a moment and try to name one. At what part of your life, at what part of your existence, of your, of your life story, is there ever a point where the power of God is not worthy of being praised every single day? And here's the, here's the reality. What verses 3 through 6 tell, tells us in part is the testimony that you and I have. The joy that you and I have of walking with the Lord and watching him supply. Has he ever supplied one of your needs? Talk to me, church. Yes. Has he supplied one of your needs? Has he ever been faithful in the day? Has he continued to walk with you through the, dark, through the night? Yes. Has joy come up in the morning? Yes. You know what we're supposed to do with that? We're supposed to tell the next generation. We're supposed to, to build up these stones of remembrance so that we can pass them on to the third and the fourth generation. I, I don't know if you all know this or not, but, but I, I have a grandbaby now. And, uh, whenever the opportunity presents. I was holding this kid this week And I can't wait to tell him about who God is. And I can't wait to tell him how God has provided for his mom and dad. Adam, I'm going to get to tell the stories about you and Emily. Well, we won't tell all of them. I'm going to get to tell the stories of where God was faithful. I'm going to get to pass on the days of their faith. I can't wait to tell the goodness of God to the next generation. Do you ever think about that? But let me me draw this a little bit closer. It's not about just the next generation. It's about the person next to you. This is what we call discipleship. This is about disciples making disciples. This is about the greatness of God being a reality in my life and I can't wait to help you know about the reality of God's greatness. I can't wait to help you experience it, to meditate on it, to think about it, to pause at the wonder and the majesty and the glory of God to teach you. I think, I think of all the things I get to do. I love teaching scripture more than anything else. I'm probably more teacher than I am preacher, but I like to look at the scriptures and help people see it and read it in living color, to make it come alive. Herbo and my old friend and mentor used to tell me that it's a sin to bore anybody with the gospel. I believe he's right. Folks, don't be bored with the gospel. If if you are never bored with who God is and what he has done, you won't be bored about telling it to others. It will bubble up out of you. When you look down at verses seven through nine, it says that they will give a testimony of your great goodness, circle that great goodness, and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, He's slow to anger. He's great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone and his compassion rests on all that he has made. Is this not a great passage of scripture? Does this just not wind you up a little bit? To pause and read it with fresh eyes and energy and go, that's my savior and that's my God. And you can say out of verses seven and nine, because of God's greatness, because of his greatness, I will celebrate his attributes. Did you notice some of those identifiers? It says his goodness and his righteousness. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, he's faithful love, he's good to all. Anybody remember the old Joe Crocker song, Uh, You Are So Beautiful To Me? Anybody wanna, would you like me to sing that to you just to give you, a no. he's got that old raspy voice and he starts to sing you are so beautiful to me and here's what I know to be true beauty is never found in us it's found in him he's the beautiful one he's the magnificent one He's the famous one. He's the only one worthy of his praise. And we, we, when we pause, when you slow down enough and look at his attributes of his goodness and righteousness and faithful love, when you look at all that he is to us in mercy and grace, that he's not quick to anger, that he's patient and providing. Can you not just sing the old Joe Crocker song? You are so beautiful to me. Mm. And you're welcome, that song will be stuck in your heads the rest of the day. But here's what I find amazing: God looks at me. And He sees my wounds and my scars and my blindness and my past and my unfaithfulness and my disobedience. And he sings, You are so beautiful to me. What an amazing thought. That this morning he's already spoken your name. That this morning he's already called you my beloved. That today we get to celebrate who he is is that fun well watch this one keep on rolling in verses 10 through 13 all you have made will thank you lord the faithful will bless you they will speak of your glory and of your kingdom and will declare your might informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. Do I get an amen? Faithful in all of his words, gracious in all of his actions. And when you look at verses 10 through 13, you can't help but see God's glory on display. So because of God's glory, I will tell others about him. someone has said if Christians praise God more the world would doubt him less if Christians would praise God more the world would doubt him less you and I must develop a habit and a practice of adoration do you hear me? Develop that practice and habit of adoration where you just pause and you give glory for His grace and for His mercy and for His provisions and you invite people around you to know Him. God's grace was never intended to be private for you and you alone. It's always been intended for us to tell others about. Is He great and glorious today? Talk to me, church. Is He great and glorious today? Who have you told about it? This week. Talk to me, church. Is he great and glorious today? Talk to me, church. Is he great and glorious? And who have you told about it? Verse 14. In light of that, do you read the first line? The Lord helps all who fall. He raises up all who are pro- oppressed. All eyes look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Because of God's provisions. I will trust him with my problems. You're familiar with the passage in Matthew that tells that not a sparrow falls to the ground that he doesn't know about it. That he even knows the numbers of hair on our head or not. There's nothing where God's power is unhindered. There's nothing that he can't accomplish. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. He's locked onto our needs. He's locked onto what we need as people and individuals and citizens of his kingdom. I can't recall the passage at this time, but there's a verse of scripture that says, what good thing, would the father withhold from his children? You know what the answer is? Nothing. Nothing. In verse 16, it tells you very clearly that God opens up his hands completely to us. The all-sufficient one. The all-powerful one. The one that has no end makes himself available to you and I. Why would we not trust him? I will preach on this passage in the days ahead, but I remind you of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know those those two verses? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. you believe those two verses today? So let's walk through it real quickly. How many of you would say that you trust the Lord? You say you trust the Lord? How do you know if you trust the Lord? Because you look at the second stanza of verse verse five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How do I know if I trust the Lord with all my heart? When I don't lean on my own understanding. So if we say we trust him, but we're convinced that our way is better than his ways, that our thoughts are higher than his thoughts, then we're really not trusting him at all, are we? So if we're going to trust him, we can't lean on our own understanding. What's the next verse? Trust him with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. How many of you know if you acknowledge him in everything you do? In everything. It's when you know that he's directing your path. Those two verses, those four stanzas stack on top of each other for Christian experience and Christian living and Christian worship and the authenticity of our faith day after day after day. If I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart because of his goodness, because of his greatness, because of his provision, because of his character and because of his attributes, if I'm going to trust him with all of my heart, then I can't lean on my own understanding because his ways are higher than my ways. So just think about that this week. Verses 17 through 19. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and He's faithful in all of His acts. The Lord is near to all who call out to Him, all who call out to Him with integrity. He fulfills their desires of those who fear Him. He hears the cry for help and He saves them. Because of God's presence, I will pray to Him daily. James 4, 8, I've already quoted it today, simply says that when we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. But there's a qualifier. It's when we draw out, when we call upon Him in truth. And the only way you can approach the goodness and the greatness and the character of God is through the salvation provided by His Son. And in Him and Him alone, we are saved. I forget who I read this week that said in in the gospel, we discover that we are far worse off than we thought and far more loved than we ever dreamed. Worse off than we thought, but more loved than we dreamed. And here's what I know to be true. No one, no one in the numberless generations has ever called out to God and he's not heard him. Not once. And here's what that means. You won't be the first. John Calvin said, oppressions and afflictions may make man cry. And the cries and the supplications of man make God hear. Will you pray to him Daily? Daily? and I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep I'm not talking about Lord just bless all of our food and I'm not talking about Lord forgive me of all my sin good night I'm talking come to Psalm 145 as Jews have done for centuries past and still do today they read this chapter three times a day twice in the morning and once at night. I would love for you to take on the challenge this week and watch it change your prayer life and watch it change your devotion and watch it change your worship, that you start your day and you end your day with reading Psalm 145. And I'm gonna ask you to make it personal. I will exalt you, my King. I will bless you every day and I will praise praise your name forever and ever. Own it, name it, make it yours. And watch God open up windows of blessings on you. Is it name it and claim it theology? By no means. It's simply recognizing who He is and who we are. And you get to the very last stanza in this song, verses 20 through 21. The Lord guards all those who love Him, and He destroys all the wicked. My mouth will declare the Lord's praise. Let every living thing bless His holy name forever and ever. And what I learn in these two verses is because of God's grace, I will worship Him forever. Understand in these two verses, God preserves those whom He saves and He judges those who are not. God protects and provides for those who are His own and He judges those who have rejected Him. And I find that to be both a comforting and a frightening thought all at the same time. Let every creature, let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. And when I read Psalm 145, here's what I realize David doesn't have a monopoly on praising God, he's not the only one that gets to do this. This is my song. This is my praise. This is my anthem to the king of kings. Is it yours? And will you cultivate this life of praise where you worship him forever? You will know, we all worship him when I get to heaven? You know when forever starts for you and I? Forever starts the moment we're conceived. People talk about death. Folks, we start dying the moment we are born. The moment we are born, we start the dying process. And the moment we die, We start the living process and everyone's going to live somewhere forever with God or separated from God, but we will live forever. So your opportunity of worshiping today isn't something you get to start in the days ahead. I get to worship him forever, right now, right now. I texted Michael early this morning and I asked him to add this quote to a slide. It's on the bottom of your handout. It should be on the screen beside me. Praise God, the King, in such a way that others may hear His greatness and come to love Him and praise Him with you. Just ponder that for a moment. Praise God today and tomorrow and every day thereafter. Praise God right now in such a way that people and family and friends around you will hear about his greatness. When's the last time you have actually opened your mouth and told people of, your, of his greatness, of his glory and of his goodness? And when they start to hear you proclaim and worship the only one that matters, will you start to pray that they will come to love him and worship him and know him as king and know him as Lord. And my question to you today is, do you know him? There's an old, old preacher, S.M. Lockridge. Anybody ever hear of S.M. Lockridge? Go home and Google this sometime. S.M. Lockridge's message, do you know him? You got to go home. He, that's my king is, I think, the title of the past, of the, of the video. Go watch that today. S.M. Lockridge, that's my king. And you watch this old patron saint just rattle off the character and the attributes of the king of kings and the lord of lords. And after each stanza, he'll go, That's my king. Do you know him? What a great way to end our service today! That's my king. Do you know him? And if not, can I introduce you you to him today? His name's Jesus. He's bought and paid for your salvation. And he's made the only way possible for you and I to go to heaven and to worship God forever. Do you know him? I'm going to be standing right here as soon as this service is done matter of fact I'm going to be standing right there in about 30 seconds and if you walk up here I will introduce you to Jesus and when you walk out of here every single one of us when we walk out of here today let's say what S.M. Lockridge says that's my king do you know him? Oh God, that we would be broken afresh, that we would be renewed daily, that we'd be strengthened in power, not of ours, but of yours, that we'd be great reflectors of your character and your attributes, that we would be like Moses of old that spent so much time with you that our face actually shines of your glory and your greatness. Father, I ask today that your spirit would be unleashed in this place. That we would never become content again with passive and casual worship. But we'll be loud proclaimers of who you are and what you've done. That we'll say, as David said, we will worship you and we will praise your name forever. Because you are our king. And there is none like you. May this encourage us and strengthen us and draw us closer to you this week. In Jesus' name I prayed. Amen. Let's stand and sing together this morning.